Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to Bethlehem Church on Easter Sunday morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, why don't you clap your hands unto God? Hallelujah. It's such an honor and a privilege to be in the house of the Lord together with you. And we're so honored that you would visit us this morning at Bethlehem Church on Easter Sunday morning. We're here today because almost 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again on this very day. Aren't you thankful that we have a risen Savior? He didn't stay in the grave. He's not still dead. He's alive and He's well. And He's doing miracles. He's doing signs. He's doing wonders. Whatever you need today, Jesus is in the room. Whatever you need today, God is here. And He will do whatever you need Him to do. If you have an addiction, God will break that addiction. If you need a healing, God will heal your body. If you need depression to leave, God will give you joy. God will give you peace over your anxiety. Whatever you need is here today because we serve a risen Savior. We serve a victorious Savior. Death couldn't stop Him. The grave couldn't hold Him. We serve the God who can do anything. Why don't you worship Him right now? Hallelujah. Worship Him right now. Give Him some praise. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We serve the victorious God. We serve the Almighty God. We worship you, Jesus. Let's worship Him together in song.
our hands right now. Let's say that word to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, it's the highest praise right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we worship you. We lift you up. There's no one like you, God. There's no one higher than you, Jesus. You're lifted high. You're lifted high. You're lifted high. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Whenever you lift up the name of the Lord, the Lord comes into your life. Whenever you lift up the name of Jesus and you praise Him, He starts to move in the room. That's right. And so what you're feeling right now, you may feel a little strange, you may feel a little different, you may never have experienced this before, but what you're feeling is the presence of the Almighty God coming into the room. Because we're worshiping Him. The Bible says he, he inhabits the praises of His people. He comes in and dwells where His people begin to praise Him. We're not a church that holds you back from praising. We want you to praise God. We want you to worship God. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with all of them, with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship. We praise you. We magnify you, oh God. Hallelujah. We lift you up. We magnify you. We praise you, oh God. For you're so good. You're so worthy. You're so holy. You're so righteous. You're so mighty and powerful and good to us, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Jesus. Can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as you're returning to your seats? Hallelujah. Thank you once again for joining us. You may not have heard me at the beginning if you were coming in a little bit late. That's okay. Thank you again for joining us here at Bethlehem Church on Easter Sunday. Bethlehem Church, can we give our guests a great welcome right now? And we thank you for joining us online if you are watching us from Facebook this morning. And uh, for some reason, Facebook blocked our public page for temporary. I don't know why, but... We are live on Bethlehem Church staff. You'll have to go type that in. And, and Bethlehem Church members, will you please go search Bethlehem Church staff and share it on your profile so other people can find it because they're probably not used to looking for that. So if you will, take your phone out real quick and share Bethlehem Church staff, that, the, the feed that we're, we're sending out right now so other people can watch as well. And uh, the service will be uploaded sometime this week on YouTube and they can go watch it there as well. Amen. So we are so thankful this morning for you joining us. We've got a few different announcements. Um, did everybody receive one of these? Say amen, nod your head, you know, yeah, amen. If you did not receive one of these, um, you can lift your hand and an usher will bring it your way. Just, just raise your hand and, and an usher will bring it to your seat and you can fill it out. It's nothing but just a name, number, and email. And really, we just primarily need your name. Um, these cards will be, you, you just tear the bottom side of it off. I'm not going to do it right now. I'll probably rip the whole thing up. But you'll just tear the bottom part of it off. And, and when we receive the offering, you'll just place it in the offering pan as you bring 
the, your offering um, up here to the front. And uh, this is the way you're going to be able to uh, be put in for the gift cards, the tablets that we're giving away. We have several gifts. I think we have 18 different gifts that we're giving away to the adults. Somebody say amen. We're giving several away to the kids as well. There will be two different giveaways. One here immediately after service in the sanctuary and another one in the children's church um, immediately after their service. So your kids might end up with a new bike or who knows what. But amen. Amen. Yeah, clap your hands unto the Lord. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. So we're going to receive an offering here in just a moment. But before, I, before we do that, I've got just a few more announcements just to kind of familiarize you with our church. Um, um, if, if, you, if you have not, again, if you have not received or filled out a card, please do that and turn it in at the offering. But I would like to let you know that we have Bible studies available for you. If you are in need of a Bible study, you want to learn more about the Word of God, learn more about God Himself, we would love to give you a Bible study. All you have to do is go to BethChurch.org and press the Bible study button and sign up, and we will get to you this week. Um, also, we have Be Free at 5 o'clock this evening. It will be in the big building over here in the dining room. And uh, this is for anybody that's dealing with addictions or strongholds, uh, a habit that you can't seem to break. We have a program called Be Free that will absolutely help you get out of your problems. Amen. It'll help you get out of your, out of your situation that the enemy's tried to put you in. Amen. We also have life groups. Life groups is a great place for you to connect and, and get to know one another and have fellowship. We, we eat together. We talk about the Word of God together. and We pray for one another. It's a great thing. You can find that information on that at BethChurch.org. And next week, we normally do this every week, but today's so busy, we will not be doing it today. But next week, we have First Steps. Everybody say First Steps. We would love for all of our guests and our members, or new members anyways, to join us next week for First Steps immediately after the morning service. We will provide a free meal for you and help you find your place in the kingdom of God. Amen. Everybody say amen. We all have a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. Every one of us has a purpose. We're all called for a reason. You're not here by accident. God has called you here this morning. God has called you to this building this morning. And God has called you into the kingdom of God. He has a place for you. You, are, you belong in the kingdom of God. Amen. So why don't we stand as we're about to receive an offering. And real quick, while you're standing, um, the giveaways will be immediately after service. We will pick up the children at 1130. No rush. No rush. It'll be right after our giveaways. You'll know when we get done with our giveaways, you can go pick up your children. Then at uh, 1145 there will be a children's candy rain out in the parking lot you do not want your kids to miss that so please stick around just 15 minutes longer and we will do a candy rain the kids always have an awesome time it's a blast to them so you don't want to miss that and then we will we'll have service again tonight and we would love to have you come again tonight so why don't we pray over the offering there are multiple ways for you to give you can give by check or cash here at the front you can give uh, by going to BethChurch.org and pressing give there. Or you can text to give by texting the word give to 
9867. You can, again, you can give by texting the word give to 662-200-9867. 662-200-9867. So let's bow our heads and let's pray over the offering and the remainder of the service. Father, we thank you for bringing us in here again today. We thank you, God, for the presence of God that we feel in here. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us and rising again on that third day, on this Easter Sunday. We give you the glory and honor and praise. And Father, I pray that you would bless every giver today. God, for you said that if we would give, it shall be given unto us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto our bosom. God, you are going to bless us when we give. So I pronounce that blessing over everybody in the room that gives according to your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way in this service. Let the Holy Ghost move and do your will. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You can bring your offering as unto the Lord and remember your cards.
worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The Bible said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Certainly good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. What a great privilege and an honor it is for Bethlehem Church to have you with us, both our members and our guests. We're so thankful that you have come to Bethlehem today, and we're glad to be worshiping the Lord with you. Thank you for coming, and we're excited to have you in service with us today. Bethlehem, one more time, can you make our guests welcome to Bethlehem Church? Amen. And again, if you have not received a card, one of the ushers will help you get one. If you have one, we need that turned in. Even, look, I even filled one out. I'm the pastor, and I'm filling one out. Everybody in the church needs to fill one out, even if you've been here your whole life. We would like to get that from you today. Certainly good to be here to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Amen. What a great day. What a great day. And uh, I was showing someone in my office this morning a picture that I took about a year ago when I was in Israel in the garden tomb, uh, the place where they believe Jesus laid. But that's not the most important part the place where Jesus raised up from is the most important part. Because he rose, we also can have new life in Christ. And it's certainly good to be able to worship and celebrate the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. Tonight is a very special night for Bethlehem Church. It is the night that we are going to be doing our sacrament, and we are going to be observing the Lord's Supper and at 5.30, we'll be doing a foot washing service, which is a, uh, something that Jesus told us that since he did it, that we should do. That'll be at 5.30. Anyone is welcome to participate. I would ask you to bring a towel with you, if you will. And then service tonight at 6.30 is going to be a great time of worship and celebrating in the presence of the Lord. And then after the service, immediately following, we'll be doing communion and observing the Lord's Supper at the end of tonight's service. Today is a holy day, and today is a day to rejoice, and we're so thankful, we're so thankful for what God is doing in this place. I might mention, I might mention this is for our members. Of course, anybody that would like to could participate, but for our members, I still have missions, our foreign missions, commitment cards, uh, any amount that you can give on a monthly basis to a missionary. If you want to write one check, uh, for the whole year to cover it, but we need to get those we need to get those out, and so our missionaries can have their budgets met. They have traveled the world with their families to preach the gospel, and we want to do our part to uh, to support them. And I thank you for doing that. Stand with me, if you will, in honor to the reading of the word of the Lord. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and then to Revelation chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse 11. And while you're turning there, I want to say a very special thank you to all of our church staff and our volunteers who have worked so hard 
Uh, they've been here since early this morning. Many of them have worked uh, in the weeks leading up on things like landscaping and cleaning and special projects. And uh, I want to say to all those that are serving in the kingdom of God, thank you. We want to be disciples and make disciples. The New Testament in two commandments. Be a disciple is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a Christian. And to make disciples is our mandate to reach people with the power of the gospel. And so I'm thankful today to be a part of a great church family that wants to be disciples and make disciples. Can somebody say amen? 1 Corinthians 15 and 55, and then Revelation 12 and 11, the Apostle Paul to the to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15 and 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Revelation 12 and 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Can you say that with me? By the blood of the Lamb. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. They overcame him, speaking of the enemy, the Antichrist, the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I want to preach for a while this morning on the subject, the antidote for sin. The antidote for sin. God, I thank you for everyone that's come here to Bethlehem Church to celebrate your resurrection. I thank you, God, because you have been so good to us as a church to trust us with such a wonderful congregation of people. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to anoint me to preach. Let the power of your spirit move in this place. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven in this place. I pray, God, anoint our ears to hear. I pray your spirit move. I pray, God, that you would bring people to repentance and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, before, before you are seated, I want you to do something very special for me. I want you to know that we love children at Bethlehem Church. And I want you to know that if your baby cries, it doesn't bother me. If they whine a little bit. All that means is we have a future. That's all that means to me. And I'm thankful for it. Amen. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to give all of our children that's in this sanctuary a good hand and let them know how much we're glad they're here. And then you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I will tell you at the onset, this message is going to get me in trouble with my wife today. Because there's not one thing in the world she hates more than snakes. When we were newlyweds many years ago, this would have been 26 years ago, I thought it would be funny to have one of the boys in the church throw a rubber snake at my wife. 
It wasn't funny. It was sort of funny. But it wasn't funny for long. There are over 600 species of venomous snakes in the world. From these 600 species of snakes, there's an estimated 100,000 people who die every year from snake bites. Victims of venomous snake bites may last anywhere from a few minutes to several hours if they don't get treatment. As you know, not all bites are fatal, but even if one survives, they can still lose limbs and often suffer lifelong injuries. We are blessed here in our country to have a good medical system, but in many of the less fortunate places in the world, a snake bite is comparable to a death sentence because the lack of antivenom available. There are two broad categories of snake venom. One is neurotoxins, which affect the nerves, and one is hemotoxins, which affect the circulatory system and the blood. Some venoms affect both. I read that some venoms from these snakes dissolve the cells and the tissues at the side of the bite, causing swelling. Some depolarize cardiac muscles and alter the heart contraction, causing heart failure. Some destroys the capillary walls and cause internal hemorrhaging. Some venoms on the opposite side cause blood clots, and others destroy the red and white blood cells, often leading to losing limbs and paralysis and death. And this is a nice, uplifting Easter morning. None of the bites of a venomous snake compares to the most fatal snake bite in history. Adam and Eve were created in a simple world with simple rules. One law one rule. In Genesis chapter number 2 and verses 16 and 17, the scripture says that the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou, shalt, that thou eatest thou shalt surely die. Adam and Eve, you have one rule, and here's the, the rule. You can eat everything in the garden that you want. You can have it all except for one. If you eat of the tree, of that one tree, then that's when death begins. I will tell you this morning without a doubt that the devil is a master of deception. He doesn't drastically change the Word of God. He changes it just a little bit at a time. He doesn't have to change it a lot to get somebody really off target. Genesis chapter number three and verse number four, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. If you pay close attention to what the serpent said and what the Lord said, there's not a whole lot of difference. The difference really comes down to three letters, an N, an O, and a T. The devil added one small three-letter word to the commandment of God. He took where the Lord said, thou shall surely die, and he added one word, the word not, and that one three-letter word changed everything. 
I will tell you this morning that it doesn't take the devil a whole lot to get some people way off target and off track. Adam and Eve didn't value the law of God. They thought that they had the right to do what they wanted to do, and they found out that in that one act of eating the forbidden fruit, that they opened for the world a Pandora's box of sin that has plagued the human race since that fateful day. With their original sin, they introduced our greatest enemy into the world. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 12 says, Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world. Adam was a gateway. Adam was a doorway. Adam was an entryway for sin into the world. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned. But by the time that day that Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit was over, it seemed like somehow they had escaped the judgment of God. They were still alive, but they, even though they were alive, what they did not know was that in the realm that they could not see, in the spirit realm, they had set a beast in motion and had unleashed the most vicious, bloodthirsty enemy of all of eternity. By virtue of them opening the doorway for sin to come to mankind, we are now born into a sinful world from a sinful seed and a sinful womb. And we all have been plagued with a sinful nature. The psalmist said in Psalms 55, 51 and 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in 3 and 23, and he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. I learned something in school when I was a boy. This is profound. I learned that all means all. Isn't that something? This is, this is the best entertainment you can get for free. All means all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man, woman, and young person under the sound of my voice and everyone that's watching by some form of electronic media, we have all faced that enemy of sin. Sin, I will tell you, is the most dangerous thing in this universe. James chapter number 1 and verse number 15 said, When lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Paul again wrote to the Roman church in 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May I tell you this morning that sin is the most dangerous thing in this universe. Throughout history, there have been men who have dedicated themselves to the business of destruction. Do you know that as far as historians can tell, that in all of human history combined, there are less than 200 years where there's not been war? Out of all the time from Adam till now, you had all, go all the way back in history, as close as they can tell, 
there's been a war in every single year except 200 out of all the history of the world. Out of all of the eons and the generations of man's saga, amen, almost all of, it in, of its entirety has been spent perfecting the art of war and killing and destruction. In the year 1431, the kingdom of Hungary, there was a baby born, and they named him Vlad. He became known to history as, as Vlad the Impaler. He was one of the worst, most tyrannical leaders in history, not only because of the people that were killed, but he delighted in the violence and the treatment of prisoners. He would have poles sharpened and stuck in the ground, and he would have his victims impaled and hanging from those poles while their bodies decomposed and the birds ate their flesh. He even is reported to have bathed in the blood of his victims. Amen. But as bad as Vlad the Impaler was, he compares not at all to the, to the problems that sin has brought on mankind. I read where Idi Amin ruled Uganda for only eight years of that country's history. But in those eight years, he was responsible for the death of half a million people. But he is a teddy bear compared to sin. I read where I stood just a couple of years ago in Red Square, or not in Red Square, but in, in the square in St. Petersburg, Russia, where Vladimir Lenin instituted what was known as the Red Terror. It began the systematic elimination of millions of people, but he pales in comparison to the destruction that sin has left in its wake. Saddam Hussein, one of the most notorious of all of our modern history, mass genocide is responsible for a death toll of nearly two million people, but he doesn't come close to comparing to what sin has done. In Cambodia, they had a despotic leader named Pol Pot. He deprived his people of their right to education, medication, and nutrition. He executed an estimated two and a half million of his countrymen, but he's nothing compared to sin. Joseph Stalin took over in 1924 from what Lenin had begun. Nearly 10 million people starved under his rule. He launched something called the Great Purge that killed every single person he could find who he thought composed to him, who was opposed to him. And in Mao, in communist China, in the first five years, sentenced five million people to death and another 20 million more starved during his reign. Adolf Hitler led the German Nazi party. He is one of the most notorious of all of history because of the wars and all of the things tied to that time. There is an estimated 23 million people who died because of his actions. But may I tell you that when you look over the history of man, that Pol Pot and Stalin and Mao and Hitler, none of them are worthy to even be mentioned in the same stratosphere as what sin has done to the human race. May I tell you that sin has filled cemeteries across the hemisphere. Sin has claimed more victims than all the gas chambers, chemical weapons, biological weapons, and warheads combined. Sin 
is the problem. We don't need gun control. We need sin control. Amen. Sin has filled our prisons. Sin has filled our hospitals. Sin has filled rehab clinics. Sin has unleashed diseases and addictions and heartbreaks. Sin has separated families, destroyed marriages, ruined neighborhoods. Multitudes and multitudes have been destroyed because of sin. Sin has turned good family men into adulterers and good mothers into drug addicts. Sin has taken hard workers and turned them into alcoholics. Sin is the enemy that every person in this room today is facing. Sin is the greatest enemy of all of the history of the world. Amen. Only God knows how many funerals around the globe have been held this week as a direct result of sin's destructive action in the world today. Only God knows how many children have been abused over the millennia because of sin. Only God knows how many wives have been beaten, people abducted, all the rapes and robberies, murders and mayhem, hatred and malice, all because sin is the problem that plagues mankind. I'm telling you, we got a sin problem in 20 and 21. Sin is the issue, and sin was unleashed by Adam and Eve in one fateful bite. They have unleashed a monster against the world. They have unleashed a monster against families and nations and neighborhoods. With one single bite, they have unleashed the greatest terror that this world has ever known. Had it not been for sin, there would be no war. There would be no murder. There would be no rape. There would be no molesting. There would be no alcoholism. There would be no drug addiction. If not for sin, there would be no divorce. There would be no fighting. There would be no murder. If not for sin. Sin is the problem in every life for that all have sin and come short. Your enemy is sin. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not your government. Your enemy is not a government on the other side of the world. Your enemy is not your drug dealer or your dope pusher. Your enemy is a sin issue in this world today. Sin is the problem. In the Bible, there's a great hero named David. He is the subject of more art than anybody but Jesus Christ himself. David, a great warrior, a mighty man. David could kill a lion and David could kill a bear. And the Bible said that David did kill a lion and David killed a bear. And then David killed a giant. David could defeat entire armies and David could overcome nations. Kings were so afraid of David that they paid tribute to him just to keep him from attacking them. The maidens of the land sang, David has slain his tens of thousands. But when this mighty warrior tangled with sin, he couldn't escape the bony grip or the icy stare of that terrible enemy. And he said, my sin is ever before me. I can't get away from it. I can't do anything about it. My sin haunts me down. His life and his family were left in chaos because of sin. His children's lives were ruined by rape and murder and rebellion. Sin, my brothers and sisters, is no small matter. People think they can handle sin. They think they can control it. They think they can control the serpent. But listen to me, sin is the most savage killer that there has ever been. Amen. Amen. 
And so when Adam and Eve unleashed the beast on the world, God instituted blood sacrifice to atone for and take away the penalty of sin. I will tell you according to one resource, and I'm trying my best to preach fast. According to one resource, there are 7,316 mentions of blood sacrifices in the Old Testament. People want sanitized religion. They want everything pretty and clean. But folks, the Bible's a bloody book because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. America wants religion without a price. This generation wants religious entertainment. But listen to me. What we need is the blood applied to sin. Amen. Amen. Can I preach to you a little bit this morning? When Noah, when Noah and his family stepped off of the ark, he built an altar and sacrificed one of every clean beast and one of every fowl of the air. On that day, gallons and gallons of blood were spilled on that altar. The Bible said that the smell of that sacrifice went up before the Lord as a sweet savor. But the blood of that sacrifice was not enough to overcome sin. In Exodus 12, the Passover sacrifice was introduced where every single year now for thousands and thousands of years, a lamb has been slain. But over the generations, all the blood of those lambs was not enough to take away the penalty of sin. When the priest was anointed, there was a blood sacrifice. Leviticus 1 tells us of the burnt offering and a blood sacrifice. Leviticus 3 tells us of a peace offering and a blood sacrifice. Leviticus 4 tells us of a sin offering and a sacrifice. Leviticus 5 tells us of a guilt offering with a sacrifice. In Leviticus 16, it tells us about the day of atonement where the sins of a nation were pushed back by the blood of a sacrifice. Every day for thousands of years, there was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. Over the course of 3,000 years, that morning and evening sacrifice, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 780,000 gallons of blood. But that 780,000 gallons of accumulated blood was not enough to pay the penalty of sin. When the altars were dedicated in Jerusalem, there was an offering. It was very specific. Nine young bulls, eight goats, and eight rams. 25 animals, 84 gallons of blood offered for those altars. But the blood of those altars was not enough to get rid of sin. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon sacrificed 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. Amen. That was 77,647 gallons of sheep's blood and 246,483 gallons of ox blood for a daily total, for the do- a total that day of 325,000 gallons of blood. It was so powerful that when Solomon prayed, the Bible said the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not minister because they couldn't get off, they couldn't stand on their feet because the glory of God, but that 325,000 gallons of blood was not enough to remove the penalty for sin because Hebrews 10 and 4 says it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Over the centuries, millions of gallons of blood shed, but not enough to take away sin. The blood of an animal will never be enough. 
the blood of an animal will never be enough. I said the blood of an animal will never be enough to break the hold of sin, the bite of the serpent, the sting of the serpent from the soul of mankind. You still with me this morning? Y'all going to stay. I might have candy rain every Sunday get you to hang around. In the natural world... In the natural world, a snake bite victim must immediately go to the hospital for antivenom. If the patient arrives in due time, there is almost a 100% chance of survival. While the world's venomous snakes have for millennia delivered a cocktail of chemicals into their victim's bloodstream, some animals have developed resistance to snake bites. For many years, scientists explored ways to develop antidotes for the poisons of the serpent. When they first started developing antivenom, they would use horses because horses are found around the world and they're, they're big and long living animals. So they would inject a horse with a specific amount of snake venom and the antibodies in the horse's blood would produce an antibody that they would then withdraw from the horse's blood and make an antivenom to inject into people. They found that it took a horse's immune system 10 weeks to produce enough antibodies to make it feasible to use. Not nearly, not nearly quick enough. Because of this, they began to, to experiment with other animals to try to find some kind of an animal that they could make antivenom that would save lives of those bitten by snakes. They tried one animal after another. They looked across the spectrum of domesticated and wild beasts. They tried animals big and small trying to develop enough, enough antibodies to make an antivenom that would save people from snake bites. As they were working their way through the animal kingdom, one scientist decided that he would experience, experiment on a lamb. And when he injected the serpent's venom into the lamb, what they found was a breakthrough. There was something different about the blood of a lamb. That when they injected the venom of the serpent into the lamb, immediately the blood of the lamb would go to work and produce the antibodies to combat the venom. And they found that the blood of a lamb is the perfect substance to develop an antibody against the venom of a snake bite. Oh, God. Now, when a person is bitten by a snake, there's antivenom because of the blood of a lamb. One day, John the Baptist was standing waist deep in the cold Jordan River, baptizing people. When he looked up on the bank and he saw his cousin, Jesus Christ, standing on the bank of the Jordan River. And John's next words have given hope to all the generations. For in John 1.29, John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Lamb. Jesus was the Lamb. And His blood is the antivenom for every sin ever committed, for every sin that plagues your family. 
It's because of the blood of the Lamb. I wish somebody would say amen right now. Oh, God. Thank God. Thank God there's a Lamb. Jesus had to be injected with the venom of the serpent. The Bible said he knew no sin. In him there was no guile. He was the spotless, sinless lamb. But the Bible said that he took on himself the contradiction of sinners. The contradiction of sinners. That means that it was everything that was against his nature. Everything that was against who he was. He knew no sin, but he took on all the sin of the world. He never cursed, but he took on all the cursing. He never murdered, but he took on all the murders. He never raped, but he took on all the rapes. He never hit anybody, but he took on all the wounds ever committed. He never fought a war, but he took on all the bloodshed. He was he took on himself the contradiction of sinners. He knew no sin, but was made sin for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so on the cross was laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you know that that cross some 2,000 years ago, on him was laid every sin that you've committed from the time you were little until today. Every time you violated the law, every time you violated the scripture, every time you ever defrauded anybody, everything you ever did that was against the word and the will of God, while he was hanging on that cross, the iniquity of us all was laid on him. Every murder, every rape, every drunk, every drug, every addiction, everything, every molestation, everything that we've ever done was laid on him. The lamb was injected with the venom of your sin. You can't use cobra venom to make an antivenom for a rattlesnake. And you can't use rattlesnake venom to make an antivenom for a black mamba. You have to have the venom of the snake that bit you to make the antivenom for your bite and your wound. And so on him was laid the iniquity of us all. That means me, my iniquity was laid on him. That means his blood was made specifically an antivenom for what I've done. Not only for what you did, but for what I did. And may I tell you, there's not a person in this room today, no matter how stained your past is, no matter what's happened in you, no matter what, li- you give me a list of everything you've ever done and how bad it is, but the iniquity of every sin was laid on him. He is the answer to your personal sin problem. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't, I don't have to know what you did. Your iniquity was laid on him and his blood is the antivenom. His blood is the antidote for your sin. Glory to God. Hey, hallelujah. I'm telling you, his blood can wash the vilest sinner clean. 
His blood can wash every sin you've ever committed. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I, what I've been through. I'm telling you, I don't, but he does because while he was on the cross, the iniquity of you was laid on him. He was injected with the venom from what troubles your life. He was injected with the trouble that bothers your family and your marriage, and he is the antidote for your problem today. <laughs> Hebrews 9 and 11, but Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a better and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Not the blood of bulls, it wasn't enough. Not the blood of calves, it wasn't enough. Millions of gallons of animal sacrifices, not enough. The blood of the horse couldn't make the right antivenom. But Jesus, by his own blood, thank God, by his own blood, made an antidote for your sin issue. He is the answer for your marriage. He is the answer for your children. He's the answer for your addiction. He's the answer for your trouble. He's the answer for your situation. Jesus' blood is the answer for your life. Hallelujah. I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to close here in the next seven minutes. May I tell you that Satan fears the blood of Jesus. Here's how it works. The devil takes a whole lifetime to get people right where he wants them. He'll manipulate someone's entire life to make them a drug addict. He'll use hurt and pain and abuse from their childhood depression and anxiety from their teen years, a terrible breakup in their 20s, to do whatever he can to get somebody to become an addict. He'll invest in their whole lifetime to make them a thief. He'll take their whole life to make them a liar, an abuser, an adulterer. He'll take years of someone's life to make them a fornicator, a sinner. But after a lifetime investment by the devil, all it takes is one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away a life of sin and shame and pain and sorrow. Yeah, that's why the devil fears the blood of Jesus. Because he might have kept you in your addiction for 20 years, but all it takes is one moment for you to be delivered and forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. He may have invested in your whole life to make you bitter and angry and fearful, but in one moment, in the presence of God, your life can be turned around. Oh God, oh God. Oh, that's why, that's why I love the old song that says, I know it was the blood. Do you know that song? I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, 
Jesus died on the cross, and I know it was the blood that saved me. Mm. Ephesians 2 and 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus is the antidote for the serpent's bite in your life. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Amen. When I was a little kid, we, had, we sang out of song books. We, I, actually, I think it might have been, the, it wasn't this exact book, but it was books just like these. And there's, there's a, there's a, I used to know the page number, but there was a song, it was called, and it says, I'll just find it. There, it's page 312, how did I not remember that? I bet you wish I'd get there faster. Oh, I just remembered I was supposed to put the roast in the crock pot before I came over here this morning. I forgot. So I'm not in as big a hurry as I thought I was. <laughs> you tell us what time to be over, we'll be there. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Would you or evil the victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of a lamb. I'll tell you what that lamb's blood did. That lamb's blood washed your sin white as snow. It'll take your past and put it under the blood. The, the devil might remember it, but God can't see it. I'll tell you what that blood does. It takes everything. Look, it doesn't matter if people don't forget what you did. When it's covered in the blood, God forgets what you did. He refuses to bring it back up as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's power in the blood. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood. Would you live daily as praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. I've come to tell somebody. I've come to tell everybody. I've come to preach to everybody in this building. There's not a single thing you've done that's too great for the blood of Jesus to cover. There's not an issue. There's not a trouble. There's not a problem. There's not a sin. There's not a fault. There's not a failure. There's not an addiction that's too great for the power of the blood of the Lamb. The blood is your antidote. The blood is your antidote for sin. Stand with me, if you will, this morning.
I mentioned to you a few moments ago the Passover. The Passover was a holiday that commemorated their deliverance from Egypt and bondage. The commandment of God was very clear. Take the lamb and slay the lamb and take the blood of that lamb and apply it in three places over your door of your house, over the top and both sides. They were to take hyssop, a leaf of a tree, and they were to take that and dredge it through the collected blood of the lamb and they would put it across the top and down both sides of the door of the house. And then that night, the death angel was gonna pass over Egypt. And the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I'll know that there's gonna be life in your house. And it took the blood in three places, specific instructions. When you apply the blood in three places, life comes where death would have reigned. And may I tell you this morning that life, life comes. The Bible said that life is in the blood. And to apply that blood to our lives, there's three places we have to apply it. Just like the Passover in Exodus, above the door and on the two sides. Three applications of the blood to bring life to a house. Just like that in the New Testament when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Tell me what I got to do to be saved. He said, you have to repent one application and be baptized every one of you another application and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost a third application and the Lord says when I see the blood I will pass over you death won't come because of the blood of the lamb the blood is your antidote for sin as your eyes are closed all over this place May I tell you that it does not matter what your life has been like up to this point because you could never earn forgiveness on your own anyway. You could never be good enough, righteous enough on your own to escape the bite of the serpent. Your only hope is the blood of the Lamb, the antidote for sin. So right where you are, you can begin to apply the blood to your life. As your eyes are closed all over this place, maybe you're standing here with guilt and shame and condemnation. And in your mind, you're thinking, that's great, preacher, but I... I'm too dirty. I'm too dirty. I, I, I got too much. I failed too many times. Here's what we're going to do all over this place. We're going to repent. From front to back and left to right. 
for all have sinned. God, I stand before you today needing your mercy and grace. My righteousness is as filthy rags. And God, there's not one righteous, no, not one. God, I stand before you without the ability to justify myself. I'm not going to give an excuse for why I've lived like I've lived. I'm just going to ask you to forgive me. And I repent, God, of everything I've done. God, those things that I knew I shouldn't do. And God, those things that I I didn't know I was violating your word. There's things I did, I, I don't know, I didn't know. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me and wash me with your blood. Are you praying right now? You don't have to use my words and you don't have to use Bible words. You use your words. God, I need you. Forgive me, Lord. Right where you are, you can apply the blood of the Lamb to one of the places in your life. You can do it right now. God, wash me. Come on, I'm giving you some time. God, I need the antidote for the sin in my life. I need the antidote for all the things that I've done that have led me down a path of destruction. Come on, we're going to take some time. We need to be praying all over this place. The hand of God is here to touch somebody today. This service may well have been designed just specifically for you. God, forgive me for my sin. Lord, I'm asking you, Jesus, as the pastor of this church, to let the convicting power of the Holy Ghost move in this place. God, all over this house, let the power of your Spirit begin to knock on the door of somebody's heart. God, that soul that's hungry for a change, that needs a change, that's ready for peace, that's ready for joy, that's ready, God, to lay their head down without condemnation every day. God, I pray for that soul that they would apply the blood by repentance. The altar is open for anyone who'd like to come and pray. Somebody will come with you. Somebody will meet you at the altar. You won't have to come alone. You won't have to come by yourself. Somebody will meet you. But if you want to come, you're welcome to come. But you can do this wherever you are. Not only, not only is it repentance, but also the Bible says, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's people in this place, you need to be baptized today. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name today. We've got water, we've got clothes, we've got warm water. We've got people to baptize you. There really is no reason for someone to walk out and not have been baptized in Jesus' name. We can do it right now. And you can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you could lift your hands to heaven all over this place and thank Him for the antidote for the sin problem this world has. Oh, that's right.
yes. God, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for redemption by the blood of your cross. Oh, today is somebody's day for a change. I can't help it. I, I should have quit already, but I can't help it. Somebody needs to repent and somebody needs to be baptized. Today is your day.
give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning and thank him for the bloodshed and for the power of his resurrection.